Welcome back to Puckcast with Statsman and AJ, Rotowire's signature fantasy hockey show. Hello, friends. I'm Paul Bruno, and I'm calling you from the hockey hotbed just north of uh, the city of Toronto in southern Ontario in Canada. You can follow me at Statsman22. My buddy and my co-host, AJ Scholes, a great follow at AJ Scholes24, is based in another hockey mad area in the United States. That's Sun Perry, Wisconsin, very close to Rotowire headquarters over in Madison. I am distressed because before we get on the show, AJ, you said that there's a threat of snow in the air where you are. Yeah, we're looking at uh, one, maybe two inches of snow here. Uh, I was just looking at the temps. You're you're 10 degrees warmer than I am right now uh, over there in, in Canada. Somehow Canada is warmer. Right? I, I think you actually might be south of us. I don't know. Or very close to even. It's but... pretty close to even, I think. If, if not <laughs> but, uh, in my favor. <laughs> it's cold. It's cold and I'm not happy about it. I'm not ready <laughs> well, for it to be cold yet. So I will be uh, leaving Wisconsin and heading out uh, heading out to Vegas this weekend to warm up a little bit. It's supposed beautiful. to be in high 70s, low 80s out there. I've had enough of the cold already. Do you think you'll catch a game when you're out there? That's my goal. I'm hoping to uh, looking at going at the game on Thursday. I unfortunately am going with uh, some some friends that are not what you would call hockey fans. Uh, mm-hmm. But I did convince one guy to go with me. So, yeah, uh, two of us are going to go catch a game. And who's the opponent that night? Do you even know? Uh, Winnipeg Jets. Oh, well. So should be a good one. Um I uh, I got a, a close friend. He's not going on this trip, but I have a close friend who's a Jets fan. So we'll. Uh, I'm sure I'll be giving him shit. I'll <laughs> wear the uh, I'll wear the flurry jersey. I'm all ready to be decked out in uh, Golden Knights gear. So yeah, should be a good time. Very nice. Well, I don't want to bring you down too much, but you know, last week we profiled what's happening at the Atlantic Division so far. Now, I want to move over and over and talk about the Metro Division. While you collect your thoughts, I'm going to just give a quick rundown on what I've seen. You know, there's there's issues with all the teams in this division, good and bad. So something to talk about with most of them, for instance, Carolina, they've already cycled through three goalies because of injuries to Freddie Anderson. He's back in the lineup and healthy. And that's probably the best news of all. But how long that's going to hold is is going to determine whether Carolina is indeed the cream of the crop here, because they've got competition in New Jersey and the Rangers teams that I forecast. And I think you agreed would be new and uh, uh, take a new step forward and be right there with Carolina. And I think in the early going, they're showing that with the Devils high octane offense and the Rangers uh, really ready to, to play that overall defensive style of game that and then complement it with a great uh, set of offensive talents in their roster. The Isles and the Caps, I think they're what we thought they were, limited a bit offensively. Philadelphia has improved a little bit. Columbus, simply not deep enough. And the Penguins, I guess they got to be confounding you because they sit at the bottom of the division right now. We don't expect them to stay there, do we? I don't know, man. They've been playing so, so bad. Um, you know, I, I, I thought we had, uh, you know, we did the preview show. I, I took a risk, said they would potentially win the Metro. Uh, now I'm just hoping for a wild card spot, maybe at this point. Um, you know, the. The bigger names have been playing okay. Uh, Malkin has started off really strong to the season. Uh, he's, you know, he's got 11 points in nine games. No complaints there. Uh, Eric Carlson, the, you know, the power play just the last like game or two has started to uh, pick up a little bit. He's got six points in nine games. Uh, honestly, the biggest problem is I see it um, some defensive lapses, which. This team is not built for defense, right? Like we've got Lars Eller for defense. That's about it. Like Carlson, Latang, 
Crosby plays defense, but Malkin, like you got three huge liabilities on the, on the roster. So yeah, some defensive lapses, but Tristan Jari just hasn't been good enough. And then Alex Nadelkovich ends up on IR. Um, I mean, I know we just signed him to this big deal, but seven starts for Jari. He's given up three or more goals in five of them. And then the other two, he posted shutouts. I know I, I don't know what to, and one of them's against Colorado. Like he shuts out Colorado, <laughs> shuts out Washington, but then gives up four to Anaheim. I could go on for days and days here, Paul, but uh, I think goaltending probably the biggest problem in Pittsburgh. Um, I agree with basically your assessment on, on the rest of this team. Uh, the Rangers are, you know, getting great net mining. Fantastic. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but they're getting phenomenal net mining out of Shesterkin. Um, and so that's, I think that's why we see them at the top. They've got offense too. I, I don't want to take anything away from their offense, but fantastic numbers at, at the top here. And they they look to be the class of the division. And at this point, it's, you know, can somebody catch them? I think Carolina obviously will. And, you know, it looks like those two potentially could run away with it with everything else kind of up for grabs. Yeah, I, I would throw Jersey into the mix, and, and I say so. Yes, because, Jersey, I'm sorry. I can't yeah, about that. No worries. They, really they have seemed to be stacked offensively, too, and they've got a very good goaltending situation there and and uh, top defenseman. And we talked before we went to air, and I, I, want to I want you to share your experience of the auto draft that you wound up doing in the Super League that you're in. And, and for me, I, I told you I targeted three players, and I managed to get all three of them in the first few rounds. And Jack Hughes was my first pick, eighth overall. The guy's the leading scorer in the NHL so far. So I'd say that's a pretty good call. And I, I expect him to be there all year long. I think he's going to be in the top five for sure. And, uh, you know, when you're drafting from the eighth spot, you got to be happy with that. I uh, picked up a goalie early on, Jake Ottinger, from a, a top team in the Western Conference in Dallas. And so far, he's given me good returns. And then ditto for uh, the defenseman that I picked up, too, uh, the big guy, Dougie Hamilton, in, in again with Jersey. Uh, big part of their offense, uh, power play linchpin. So I like that situation, but you got to tell me the pitfalls of, of your auto draft from uh, the point of view of some players that made your roster that you probably wouldn't have drafted right out of the, out of the shoot. But uh, if you can hold on for a little bit, you should be in good shape. Yeah. Yeah. So unfortunately I had to, uh, had to auto draft this year, did some, uh, some pre-ranking, you know, uh, did as much of that as I, as I kind of could, I didn't want to get too carried away with it. Uh, I love the goaltending. I went goaltending one and two picks because uh, that's, you know, how I set the rankings and didn't want to miss out on goaltenders by having it auto-drafted. So I got Ottinger and Hellebuck right off the start. Those guys should play, you know, most nights. So um, pretty free and clear there. But the problem is uh, they ended up, I got both Brandon Montour and Aaron Ekblad uh, as part of the, the auto-draft here. Obviously, both those guys are hurt. Uh, I would have, I would have taken one. I'd have been totally fine taking one. Uh, in fact, uh, looking at my draft results, like I took out of 17 picks, I took Ekblad 15th. Um, so I actually like that one. That's probably something I would have done automatically, but not after having already taken Montour. So right. I'm kind of riding it out. I don't really want to drop either guy. Um, I think they could have a good season. Um, maybe once they're healthy, uh, you know, look at maybe a trade or something or yeah. uh, although I don't know if we can trade in this league. I should verify that. But all that to say, uh, yeah, stuck with both, trying to ride it through. 
I've got a handful of other, you know, D options on the team. So I'm, I'm not totally sunk, but I do have to change them out a little bit more. I have to be a little more diligent about the team because we start three defensemen and excluding those guys, I only have one spare uh, on the roster. So, yeah, it's a little tough. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have an IR spot either. That would have been another factor why I would have only taken one of these guys instead of yeah. two. Uh, if we had multiple IR spots, then maybe you take both. But yeah, it's a it's a tough road to hoe after the uh, the auto draft situation here. Exactly. Well, let's get into our routine, AJ. We're going to look at the most productive players this week. I'll start us off, and you know there was a lot of talk in the early going about Alex Ovechkin. Is he looking like he lost a step or slowing down and whatever? And I mean, he wound up being. Uh, at the top of the list here in terms of the point getters in fantasy point land, uh, 59.7 points, averaging 21 minutes a game. So you got to think his uh, advancing years is still able to log that kind of time. And look at the results, two goals and four helpers. I mean, one of them was an empty netter, let's say that, but four assists, two power play points, 28 shots on goal. Half of them were in a game against the Leafs, by the way, and uh, still racking up the hits with five. So, uh, across the board, he's doing what he's always done, and uh, maybe maybe it's a little bit early to say that he is not in for a, a good year. I think he's still going to be the focal point of that team. They're not a great team by any means, but they certainly look for him at every opportunity when he's on the ice. So it seems all about getting him closer and closer to that Gretzky record, uh, even if, if they might not be involved in a playoff chase. But as long as he's the focal point, he's going to get a lot of opportunities to score points and uh, still viable in the and daily fantasy and in in the season-long formats. And uh, behind him, I look at Ryan Hartman. This guy's a first-line center for Minnesota, AJ, but kind of at the second tier of uh, centers in the league. And he had a great week last week with five goals, three in one game, and two of helpers, 15 shots on goal, a couple of hits, a couple of blocks. So he was in the top three. Uh, rounding out that 3-0 is Tyler Toffoli. He also had a big night against his former club in Montreal, part of his six-goal total on the week, which topped all shooters, and 14 shots on goal. This guy's featured on the power play, picked up a couple of power play points too. So there's some guys that might not have been drafted in the first round or two, but if you snag them in rounds three to six or something like that, you're looking at pretty good value, and I think that all three of them as veterans should be able to carry that on the rest of the year. AJ, near the top of the performers, what else stood out to you this week? Yeah, the biggest one um, for, for our numbers on, on fantasy points, we just had three games for Artemi Panarin. If you throw in the fourth that he's had since we last recorded, you're looking at eight points uh, and five of those coming on the power play. So uh, his numbers will be up there as, as well when you add in that fourth game. Uh, and of course, you know, as we as we've discussed, that's something to factor in. Um, you look Panarin, phenomenal week, even with the three games, one goal, four assists. Uh, four power play points, but he's behind guys like Ovechkin to Foley Hartman because those guys played an extra game. So I think uh, obviously something that you need to consider when you're setting your lineup, if you're a weak setting lineup, uh, obviously some formats like ours, you can set it daily. Um, so a bit of, you know, kind of fantasy strategy there, kind of what to watch out for. Another player to mention, Jack Hughes, four games, eight points over that stretch, three of them coming with the man advantage. You know, you compare him to the other guys on the top of this list, Paul, it's really a difference of just shots. Uh, Ovechkin, 28 shots over those four games. Jack Hughes, nine. 
Um, not that nine over four games is a bad number. It's just, uh, you know, that's it's those little things that are going to separate you from the top and, and the bottom here. Uh, Mason McTavish is a player that had a pretty decent week last week. Three goals, four assists. I assume that's counting last night's game, uh, unfortunately. Uh, and so, yeah, a good, uh, good couple of games from him as well in there. Just a player that we haven't talked about much. Um, Anaheim is not a team that I think will highlight very often this season, but they are currently sitting tied uh, while they're fourth uh, with tiebreakers. So they're fourth. Maybe they're going to be a little bit better than they thought we thought they were. Although Calgary and Edmonton uh, being at six and seven in the Pacific, it's not something that I would expect to, you know, continue on into the long term here. And AJ, I'll mention another three guys that are top performers from the past week. Again, that would be depth chart guys uh, that didn't get drafted in the first round or two. Tom Wilson is a guy who's dealt with a lot of injuries in the last couple of years with Washington. But when he's healthy, he gets points across the board too. Not just the shots on goal of 15, not just the hits with with uh, 12 or 13 last week, but also had four points in total, a power play point as well, four block shots. So a guy, when he's healthy... He'll fill up the stat sheet. You don't want to really think about enforcers being value players, but he's kind of a unicorn in the, in the role that he has with the with the Washington. And when you compare him with the other league heavyweights uh, around the NHL, Evander Kane. I kind of panned this guy last week, AJ, and uh, uh, he, a week later he kind of uh, told me. He heard you. He, he heard, heard you. Me. Well, I guess the the reception must be good for our podcast. Uh, we're all over the world, so I'm sure he tuned in. And uh, his performance reflected that, A.G. Not only very similar to Wilson in his profile, he can score and he's also rugged, gets his shots on goal. He's playing in a very nice situation in Edmonton. If he keeps his nose to the grindstone, he'll play with one of the best centers in hockey, whether it's Dreisaitl or McDavid, and sometimes both. So uh, a great value play there. And then uh, you mentioned Anaheim. How about Frankie Vetrano? He's off to a great start. I think he's up to about eight or nine goals already. He had four last week. And a guy who also gets involved in the physical play with five hits and four block shots. So across the board in three games, he, ca- he tallied 40.6 points. You got to be pleased with that kind of a uh, return. And I think he's only owned in uh, less than 50% of the leagues, a two position guy. That's a great value. If you, uh, if you find that he's available, he, you might take a long look at him and uh, add him to your squad. AJ, are there any other players on this list that fit that particular aspect? guys that you should be considering adding yeah um i don't have his uh ownership numbers right in front of me this second i'll see if i can dig those up quickly but uh one guy to consider you know paul you mentioned uh dual uh position eligibility and uh kempe adrian kempe would be a player that falls into that category as well had another uh real good week uh overall on the season uh you're looking at you know, seven points in his last five games, two power play assists over that stretch. Uh, so some good numbers coming out of him. Tougher matchup, uh, obviously, tonight going in, uh, you know, going up against uh, uh, your Maple Leafs. So, yeah, there's uh, there's some, you know, matchup concerns there to look at. But I think if Kempe is available, definitely a player to watch. I, I love targeting some of those dual eligibility guys. Um, Jaden Schwartz, another excuse me, another guy that falls into that category for Seattle. Uh, You know, he's a little bit further down our our top performer list, but still uh, two goals, two assists this last week, a lot of shots, 10 shots on goal. So that's going to help bolster those numbers as well. And again, 
uh, if he's available, might be worth targeting here just because, you know, because of that. And I would expect uh, if he's not, uh, you know, expect him to go quickly. Uh, overall, you look at the last four games and you're talking six points over that stretch, uh, scoring in every one of those contests. So he's definitely starting to pick up here. Uh, and, and getting uh, some more some more points. Well, AJ, I noticed that, and in my my attempt to strengthen my squad, I picked up Schwartz before last night's game, and he rewarded me with three point night. So I'm smiling like the butcher's dog this morning on that choice. But uh, you, uh, we looked at the ownership too of Frank Vitrano. We'll get into some of the big spikes in ownership. He still he started the week owned in less than fifty percent of the pools, but by the end it was up to seventy five for one of the biggest jumps on the week to fill in that blank. Uh, Dylan Strom's another guy, AJ. Back to Washington I go. Uh, this is a guy I've been watching ever since he was drafted high in the NHL draft and uh, a guy who had a really good relationship with other top guy, performers who've made it to the NHL. And I thought this guy is not shouldn't be lagging behind those fellas like Mitch Marner and such. And he's closing that gap based on what I'm seeing in the early go going. He got four goals last week for Washington. Uh, on eight shots, so very economical there. But a big rangy center, just the way I like them. And in the middle of a, a, a good offense in the top two lines there, should be a good home for him all season long and should be able to produce on a consistent basis. Jack, Jack Roslavik is another consideration. I know Columbus is not going to be a playoff contender for, for their division. It's a tough one, as we already said off the top of the show. But this is a guy who will play top six minutes as well. And I like the fact that he pours shots on goal as well as uh, sets up his wingers with uh, regularity. He got 10 shots last week. He had three assists, one goal, and he's not afraid to get in front of pucks too on the defensive end, blocking five of them. So another guy who's rewarding me, uh, rewarding people across the board if you got him in there. And uh, one final mention, uh, he was on the wrong end of a, of, of a punch last week, Alex Tuck. But he is healthy by all accounts and uh, is still productive. He's, he's playing with Tage Thompson, a great spot for him to be in. And coming off a very nice year, looks like he's headed for another one. Again, four points on the week in four games, 12 shots on goal, and filling the stat sheet and hits and block shots. So that's my look at the, the top 25 players. AJ, one, any more thoughts from you or do you want to move on to the defenseman? Yeah, I'll roll us right into the, the defenseman here. Um, you know, some familiar names uh, to be expected at the top of this list. Rasmus Dahlin, uh, 46.2 points, four games, uh, two goals, two assists, two power play uh, points there as well. Adam Fox, uh, just three games for, for the time period we're talking about. But if you uh, account uh, for a more recent game, four games played for him, two goals, four assists over that stretch. So Fox uh, right at the top of the list. Perhaps one name that some people wouldn't have expected to see here is Mike Matt, uh, Matheson coming up at the top, you know, went the first, uh, looked at his first five games, just two assists over that stretch. One did come with the man advantage, um, but he's kind of turned it on in the last four games. Uh, 43 fantasy points. There was the total for him, two goals, two assists, all four of those points coming with the man advantage, a decent number of, of blocks. If, if you use that category, 10 shots as well. So um, Matheson, maybe the little bit of a surprise at the top of this list. Um, there's, you know, a handful of other kind of known names that we talk about here. Paul, anybody that kind of surprised you from being at the top of this list, a la Mike Matheson? 
Well, I would suggest Morgan Riley, AJ. At the beginning of the season, we thought that John Klingberg would be the power play quarterback, and for the most part, he has been. He's been the power play quarterback on the first unit. Despite that, Morgan Riley has continued to play at the level that he showed us in the past, and we saw it again in the playoffs. But the regular season last year was kind of an ordinary one for him. But he's off to a great start this season. Four points last week, seven shots on goal, nine blocks. So he's, again, another guy that's doing it at both ends of the ice, playing a lot of minutes, 25 per game. I'd like to see that being cut down, but the, the Leafs have had a couple of injury situations crop up on the blue line. And another guy who is a warrior for his team is the Vegas Knights' Shea Theodore. He's kind of almost a little bit in the shadow of Alex Pietrangelo, I find, but still, and uh, this guy gets his share of power play time and certainly has offensive chops. Uh, four points last week, 10 shots on goal and seven blocks to show again, another guy that's doing it at both ends of the rink. And uh, no wonder Vegas is off to a great start when they got two linchpins like Theodore and Pitrangelo on the blue line. And uh, the defensive system that they play is a really shut down one and they got a great offense. So the Stanley Cup champs opened the season on a run and uh, Theodore has been a big part of it. You were high on Noah Dobson and I've been watching this guy toil for the Islanders and he's emerged as their top offensive piece. We thought that he might and uh, lo and behold, we're correct with that pick four points again on the week. And another guy who was doing it at both ends of the rink with 10 block shots to go with six shots on goal. So uh, fine performance from him. Any other names that you want to touch on, AJ? Well, just mention real quick, you know, uh, we are both uh, in, a, in a points league um, for, for season long. Uh, obviously, DFS, you know, some of these guys, uh, more goals and assists are, are going to be the driver there. But if you're in a rotisserie league, uh, one name to look at is Mat- Matias Samuelson for Buffalo. Um not a huge point producer, not a huge shots guy. So you would need to kind of counteract that. He's got just one game where he even put two shots on net. But what he did do this last week was 15 hits uh, over over the or blocks rather over the week. That's more than anybody else on this list, and also nine hits. Um, so you don't always there's a handful of guys that do it, but you find uh, you know more often you look at. Uh, you know, Mike Matheson, one hit, Adam Fox, one hit, Morgan Riley, zero. Um, so some of these top point producer guys from a defensive standpoint aren't dishing out the hits. So if you're in like a rotisserie format and you can sacrifice the shots, you've got other big shot guys on your team. This is somebody who could help you win some of those other categories uh, if you use hits and blocks. And AJ, I'm going to volley back to you with one guy that fits the bill in that regard, though. The San Jose Sharks are a team that's been a real black hole for for any value of any consequence so far this season. But one guy that stands out is Mario Ferraro. Uh, after nine games, he has two assists. That's not great, I suppose. 24 shots on goal. That's a pretty good shot on goal rate. But then you add that to the hits with 15 and block shots for 23. All of a sudden, that's very good value in the, in the same context that you described. So the guys don't have to score goals. If they can get the shots on goal and block shots and collect the hits, they'll be valuable for you in other ways and uh, pile up the stats. So good for you for bringing that up. And I'm glad I had the other one in my holster there. <laughs> well, yeah, then... Uh... I'll just I'll dive us into goaltenders too, Paul. I'll take us right over there. Sure. Um, you know, leading the way, Jonas Johansson really has stepped up uh, for uh, you know for Tampa Bay here with uh, with obviously Vasilevsky out. He's logged you know played in all but one of their games. He had two shutouts this last week. 
uh, over, you know, Carolina, a good team, San Jose, not so good team. Uh, even the over, you know, the, the overtime loss to Seattle, uh, four goals allowed, you know, initially that, that seems like a lot, but 43 shots faced. Um, so decent, same, I mean, same MO against Toronto overtime loss, four goals allowed, but he faced 52 shots. So it's, you know, you kind of got to balance that, that shot total, um, against, you know, against the results there. So really has stepped up well, has one regulation loss, uh, on the season, playing some real good hockey there for them. Uh, and you know, is going to give them some flexibility to try and not maybe rush, uh, Vasilevsky back as fast as they might have. So that was kind of the best top performer of the week. Paul, were there any other guys that you want to highlight at the top of this list? Well, I do. And I'm not going to go for the workhorses that we expected out of the shoot. I'm going to talk about a trio of goalies that are kind of carving out a niche for themselves. In our my super draft, AJ, neither one of the Montreal Canadiens goalies were picked. And you, wanna, you might want to clip this tape. For, because I'm not going to say too many good things about the Habs all year long, probably. <laughs> but Jake Allen was right up there in the points parade in fantasy point land, 44.8 points for the Habs. He put in a nice effort again uh, last week and off to a nice start. I don't think he's lost a game in regulation so far. Picking up two wins last week, four goals against, stopping 78 shots in the seven days. And then right behind him, of course, I got to counteract that Montreal note with a, Mon a Toronto note. Joseph <laughs> Wool is uh, emerging from the shadow of uh, Sergei Samsonov, and he got a chance to play a couple of games. He won them last week, two, two goals against in total. So he wound up with 44.8 fantasy points like Allen did, stopping 68 shots and getting those two wins as well. So, And then another note, uh, Uka Pekalukanen in Buffalo uh, emerging with uh, the injury to Devin Levi. He, uh, he picked up the slack, appearing in three games, picking up 39 points. And the going forward position for him is pretty positive because Eric Comrie is on the sideline too. So the path is clear for Uka Pekalukanen to run with goaltending opportunity on a pretty good team that's been a little bit of an underperformer so far. So uh, I'm thinking the opportunity to pick him up should be there for you in your fantasy leagues. So there's three goalies, AJ, that weren't drafted in many leagues between them uh, at the start of the season. That should be a consideration based on the opportunity that is now in front of them. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, the concern with, with Allen, you know, you mentioned Paul, he hasn't lost in regulation but he's made just four starts. Uh, they've they've given an equal number of games to Sam uh, Sam Montembeau. Caden Primo even took took a game for them. So that's you know I I'm a little sh gun shy about that that team. You know maybe you do like uh, you know your third netminder is Jake Allen if you know you need somebody to step in there. For example, just looking at my team, I mentioned you know I've got the the two studs in Ottinger and and Hellybuck. My third guy uh, is Mackenzie Blackwood. Hasn't looked great. Maybe in that scenario, it's okay to take Allen because he's not going to start as much and you have two workhorses there. Um, so just, you know, on the nights that, uh, you know, back-to-backs or whatever where, where Hellybuck or Ottinger is out. Uh, and and I would say the same about uh, Lukanen. You know, Devin Levi, they're saying, could be back Wednesday. He was the starter at the onset, played each of the first four games. Um, but has that back injury. And if he's coming back, then you have to imagine that, uh, you know, Lukanen's not going to get the same level of starts, uh, especially because they were looking at Eric Comrie more 
Van Luken in before Comrie got hurt. So I, I'm a little hesitant on, on that one as well. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at, at my league here. You know, there's not a ton of guys that are that are available that start on the regular. Um, so it's definitely something to, to consider there and uh, in, in trying to find somebody to pick up. Among the other kind of top performers this week, I'll just mention the other guys that got shutouts here. Uh, you know, we got Jeremy Swayman picks up a shutout uh, in one of his two appearances. Boston finally suffering a, a defeat <laughs> uh, after a strong performance. That loss went to Olmark. So Swayman is still undefeated. They're going back and forth. Uh, they have not deviated from that at all yet. So I would expect Swayman takes their next game. Uh, and then uh, Thatcher Demko gets gets a shutout this week in, in a pretty strong performance there. Um, he should see the, the majority of the workload there, so a little bit more minutes. Uh, I would expect Demko to start much more than uh, Casey DeSmith. The only problem with you know his last two wins is uh, actually all three of his wins are pretty much defensive, like the team in front of him doing a good job. Faced 22 shots in two of those wins, 18 shots in the third win. His two losses were the games where he faced more than 35 shots in both those contests. So um, you're going to need the rest of the team to be good for him to kind of be good is at least the pattern that we're seeing uh, right now. If they can limit him to shots, he should be able to pick up wins. AJ, I'm going to mention a couple of guys that could be available in your leagues to help you out here. I really am concerned. So I'm going to throw out the name of Joey Decord in Seattle. He played in three games last week. He's going to get a shot to be a part of that mix going forward because there is an injury in the depth chart that will afford him that opportunity. He appeared in three starts last week, had one win, 10 goals against, 100 shots on goal. So uh, the save total there is interesting. But this is a team that's pretty good generally, uh, night in, night out, in terms of the defensive responsibility and win probability should be there for a team that should be on the fringe of playoff contention. I'll throw in the name of Lucas Dostal in Anaheim. You might say, but well, they got John Gibson there. Well, Dostal is getting some regular work in the early going. And uh, I mean, Anaheim's not expected to be a, a world beater by any means, but that might be the weakest division in hockey. So he'll pick up his share of wins just in the division, I think. And well, Paul, I'll just add to that real quick before you continue on. Gibson got hurt last night. Um, okay, we haven't there. heard any sort of details about uh, about the nature of that injury, but Gibson got hurt. Dostal had to come in, got the win for them. So, uh, yeah, if Gibson's out long term. So, yeah, maybe you take a flyer on that right now. If Dostal is available, grab him now before news comes out as to, you know, how long uh, Gibson's going to be out. So what you're saying was I'm on to something there, even though I didn't stay up late for that bit of news. But anyway, that's that's a good bit of inf additional information just to make his case that much stronger. And uh, Jonathan Quick got a shutout in his appearance with the Rangers, but there's a guy in front of him who might be the best goalie in hockey. So temper your enthusiasm about that result and understand Quick's role as a part-timer there and uh, might not make sense for you if you're looking for a guy who's going to get more reps. Maybe you look at a guy like Ananti Ranta in Carolina because he'll get more reps, even though he's battling start for starts in that uh, situation with Freddie Anderson, but the, the win probability will there be there and uh, be very high when that team takes the ice. What do you think, think about Peter Mrazek, AJ? I want to close this section by talking to you about another goalie that's kind of like in the Jake Allen situation, a bad team in front of him, but he's going to get a lot of starts, and maybe he's going to get even more starts than, than Allen will in Montreal. He got uh, 
into two games last week and he got a win and uh he's gonna play about 55 games i'm pretty sure yeah it definitely seems that way um they don't have a, a huge alternate option um he uh, got a relief appearance uh they decided to give soderblom uh, a start uh uh last night and soderblom gave up seven shots or seven goals on 22 shots before they hooked him to arizona so, yeah, I think we're going to see a lot more Peter Morazic. That's the risk, right? Um, the risk is, you know, wins could be hard to come by. Uh, shots should be pretty high. You look at his first four games, they were all uh, three of them were above 40 uh, shots faced. So I definitely think keep an eye on Morazic uh, and, you know, kind of evaluate. Are you willing to sacrifice the wins uh, that, that, you know, could be harder to happen, but, High shot totals, should see plenty of games. You got to see what works well for the rest of your team. Okay, let's cycle through some of the players who were most added in the the NHL last week, AJ, and then we'll head to break. But uh, I'll throw out, certainly, Joseph Wall's ownership led the parade, owned by 6.3% of league's uh, players. And then now it's up to 44.5, and it could go even higher if he gets the stranglehold on the on the top job in Toronto. Travis Sanheim, a defenseman that I that I liked out of the gate for Philadelphia, his ownership went from 13.5 to 45.7, second on the list. Jesperi Kokaniemi is getting second line minutes a lot of the time in Carolina. As long as that continues, his ownership should continue to rise in a good situation for him, up to 42% after starting the week at 12 and a half. And you mentioned Jonas Johansson. He was meant to be the best of a bad lot in Tampa, but he's rewarding them with pretty good work. And that's reflected in his ownership spike going up to 28.9. I mentioned Frankie Vetrano. His ownership went up 25%, as I mentioned earlier. So that's the top five guys. How about a little bit uh, lower on that list, AJ? Who caught your eye? Well, one player you absolutely have to, like, literally pause the show, go see if he's available right now is William Carlson. Uh, Seven-game point streak right now. Doesn't get a ton of power play. I mean, he's getting power play minutes kind of hit or miss. In some games, he gets none. Some games, he gets like upwards of three. Um, But it hasn't really translated into a ton of power play opportunities. But again, seven-game point streak. How do you not at least take a look? Uh, We saw he was around 10% up now to, to 32. Big jump there. Jake Sanderson saw a huge jump, obviously, with the the injuries that they've been battling and in Ottawa, amongst the goaltender or the defensemen, you know, Artem Zub missed some time. Eric Bransom's out. Uh, obviously, Thomas Shabbat, we, we knew that early on, but um, uh, fractured hand. He's on LTIR. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so they've got a lot of injuries that's creating more opportunities for a guy like Jake Sanderson. Uh, we've seen him get minutes with the top power play unit. And so anytime you have a guy like that who's going to be out there with the Chuck, with Norris, Batherson, and Stutzley, definitely worth worth targeting there. So those were some of the, the biggest ones that, that I saw. Um, I would even throw in like Cam Atkinson, pretty much like not owned. Um, and we talked about that at the start of the season. Like, right. are you going to get any sort of good production out of Cam Atkinson after the long injury absence? Eight points through nine games. Perhaps more importantly, 24 shots over that stretch uh, hasn't has yet to post a zero in the shot total um, this season. So, you know, playing well, I think some people are willing to, to take a look at him. I would expect that number to keep climbing based on his his performances thus far. 
And AJ, I'll mention, uh, I mentioned Dylan Strom earlier. His ownership is just a shade over 50%. I think it should be higher than that based on what he's giving the caps and the opportunity in front of him. So if you're needing help at center, uh, that's a good guy to look for. A cautionary tale, though, I'll finish with Jacob Slavin for Carolina. His ownership's up at 77%. This is not a guy who is particularly st strong offensively. He's one, always perennially in the discussion for top defensive player in the league. So, so far, he's, his offensive totals are there, but I don't know if it's sustainable. And, uh, I mean, he gets involved in block shots for sure, but I just think that ownership is a little little bit high for him. So uh, don't get on that train if you aren't already, is what I'm suggesting, because I think there's a downturn headed his way. And uh, we mentioned Brian Johansson uh, in Colorado. Great situation for him, landing in the number two center role, yet his ownership is only topped out at 21% after it was 5% at the start of the week. So people are catching on, and that might be a player to watch going forward in the depth chart for Colorado. As long as he stays in that top six, should be very attractive in terms of picking up players. So there you have it. Uh, we're going to take a breather right now. You're listening to Paul and AJ on the, the podcast for Rotowire's Fantasy Hockey Show. We're going to be back after these. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline.
All right, we're back. And AJ, I'll throw it over to you to start us off on the players that more dumped in more leagues uh, than any other players last week. I mean, we mentioned Shabbat's injury. That's hurt his ownership. Taylor Hall is also on the injured list out week to week. And Devin Levi is uh, to be determined, not a long-term absence, but his ownership took a hit. What else caught your eye there? Well, obviously, uh, Ricard Raquel led the way uh, for us, uh, about an 11% drop there. No surprise at all, goalless to start the season, just one assist. Uh, in fact, he had two games where he didn't even put a shot up on net. Uh, this this last, last night against Anaheim at least put six shots on net, still unable to find the back of the net. Um, you know, I... I think he's holding on to a top six spot because there's not really a much like a huge better option. Um, you know, maybe, you know, redeems the Horna, but you're not putting, you know, Matt Nieto is not going in there. Jeff Carter, Vinny Hinestroza, like there's really maybe one guy uh, that you could put in that spot to, to play with Malkin and, and Smith. And, and the thing is like, yeah, Raquel's not producing, but, Malkin is so why mess with his line mate right so um yeah it's it's that's one to watch so I'm not surprised by the drop at all there uh Mercer Dawson Mercer then the next name that was up over 11 percent pointless to start the season most concerning to me two shots in his last six games um you know we've we've got him still taking power play minutes uh I would expect that to change uh, you know, the one thing to watch for is the Nico Heischer injury. How does that affect the line combinations in New Jersey? Does Mercer get more opportunities because Heischer's out? Um, we don't have a ton of information, just that he didn't play on Sunday. Um, not clear on his status yet or how long he might be out. So something to keep an eye on how that shuffles things up. So maybe, you know, if you've got Mercer, if you're one of the 62% of people with Mercer, maybe you give it another few days to hear if, uh, you know, what happens there, but uh, certainly not a good opening start to this season uh, for, for him. So, yeah. And then, you know, obviously Paul, the injuries um, are always going to be a factor when guys get hurt, you know, Devin Levi, we saw his numbers drop Patrick line, his numbers drop, no real surprise there uh, among those guys. AJ, there's a trio of goalies who were projected to be first stringers on their respective clubs that saw drops in ownership. And I don't understand two of them certainly you can make the case in Edmonton Stuart Skinner and and uh Jack Campbell are are playing like neither one of them wants to be in net for that team <laughs> of late so both their ownership is a little bit questionable but Jonas Find Cor- your e-bug who's the e-bug put the e-bug in yeah, that jo- guy probably wants to play <laughs> Jonas Corpusallo in Ottawa should have the stranglehold on that role but his ownership dropped to only 36 percent there and they got to get that ship righted. The one that really has me scratching my head though is Jacob Markstrom in Calgary. Look, I think people are just focusing too much on what this guy did and did or didn't do in the playoffs last year, but he's off to a decent start and he's going to get the lion's share of the net in Calgary. So not really sure why his ownership dropped 7%. It's still up at 62, but boy, those 7.7% that dropped him this week, I think they're going to make a quick decision. They made a mistake there in that category. And uh, people were hoping for Jonathan Huberto to rebound and be one of the top 10 scorers in the league. That hasn't happened yet in Calgary. And his ownership started the week at 80.9. It's gone to 73.3. I wonder how low it can go and if this guy can find his game out in uh, Western Canada to be a, a semblance of what he was in Florida when he was racking up over 100 points. So those are three more names. Uh, Jurek Slikowski, his ownership went down 7%. 
to 65%. I watched him last night, AJ. He's still not ready to play in this league. And I know he was the first round draft pick, but I think the Habs are really force feeding him and doing a disservice to the this young man at this point who just does not look ready to play. There's my hot take in this section. The number one draft pick from last year, still not looking like a viable option in uh, the Montreal Canadiens situation. Well, there's a couple of guys who have found themselves outside of the lineup. And so understandably, they show up on this list. Kirill Marchenko for Columbus has been scratched the last two games. Uh, obviously, people aren't going to want to hold on to him when he's he's not even playing. Uh, no goals on the season. He was pointless in five before uh, the two-game benching. The shot totals were okay enough that I, I would probably have counted myself on the side that would have kept him, maybe waited a little longer um, to, to bail on him just because those shot totals were okay. But when he's not even in the lineup, that's obviously a concern. And then Jacob Vrana with the uh, the scratch there for the last two games. That one definitely a bit surprising to me. Um, you know, the yeah, you could point – the opposite would be true here. The shot totals aren't as good as they have been. Um, but just a surprise to see a player of his caliber getting dropped so that they could run uh, a, an 11-7 setup and, and put in a seventh defenseman. A little bit strange to, to me there. But uh, Alexei Torpachenko suffered a lower body injury uh, over the weekend. He's questionable to play. Uh, tomorrow and so if he's out of the lineup you have to imagine Verona will get back in um, at least I would hope for his sake that he could get back in due to an injury there so again if you're one of the people that does still have him might be a little too early to bail but I also see the other side of it like if a guy's not even playing uh, doesn't doesn't really make a sense a lot of sense to hold him unless they've got really good numbers uh, or, or some other reason there. And AJ, in terms of getting up to the minute information to our listeners, Matt Grizzlick from Boston, he suffered an upper body injury in last night's game, uh, Monday nighter against Florida. He's listed with an upper body injury out week to week. So that's a tough blow for the Bruin blue line because Jacob Lauka is cut by a skate. He'll be out for a week too, at least. And Milan Lucic with dealing with an ankle injury. So the Bruins chugging along despite their injury list swelling a little bit. In terms of good news, Andrei Zvechnikov, finally returned to the Canes lineup last week, and he immediately is uh, back into a top six role. So if you've been waiting patiently for his return, you should be happy this morning with that bit of information. Counteracting that, though, Brett Pesci, who's been a linchpin in the top four of this blue line, had surgery on his lower body. He'll be out for two to four weeks. How about some other impactful injury news uh, on our list, AJ? Well, I thought we were going to have some good injury news to talk about with Sam Bennett getting back into the lineup last night. Uh, having yet to play this season, gets hurt in his debut game, just eight minutes of, of ice time there. Um, it, you know, obviously we don't know if it's related to, to the previous uh, injury, but yeah, so he picks up a, a hurt. We talked about, based on my team, the Florida defenseman questions. Uh, Oliver Ekman Larson uh, suffered an injury Monday night as well um, from what, you know, would look like a, a bit of a high check. Um, we'll, we'll see if the league has anything to say about that. So those are some just immediate concerns. I mentioned John Gibson off the top. Uh, that's that's one to to keep an eye on and, and how that affects Dostal and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, just even just last night, um, some big injury concerns. 
McDavid came back, uh, played in the, the game on Sunday. So that's obviously some some good news there for, for them. Uh, and yeah, those are a couple of the big, big ones uh, just recently. For sure. And I'll add two more thoughts. Gabe Velarde for Winnipeg hurt his knee and he's on IR. Expected to miss four to six weeks. This was a guy they brought over looking to hope hope that they would get uh, top six minutes out of him. And they will by season's end if he returns healthy. But that's a that's a, a stretch they'll have to go without uh, the rugged winger. And uh, in terms of additional player news, we have to talk about Shane Pinto for a moment. He was penciled in as no worse than a second-line setter in Ottawa, but he's going to miss half a season because of activities related, a suspension that's related to activities related to sports gambling that he was involved with. It's kind of a nebulous situation, and I don't want to talk too much more about it, but other than that, to say he's going to be missing from a lineup where he was expected to be a key part of their offense. So... That's our look at the guys uh, that of note uh, that will be out for a bit or have dropped in terms of value in the last couple of weeks. Now it's time to take a look at our DFS strategy for a very small slate of games. I mean, last week we talked about a 16-gamer. Tonight we only have two, AJ. So it's about stacking teams. And uh, I wonder which way you're going to go on the DraftKings table. Well, I hate to do it, but I guess I have to use some Leafs tonight, huh? <laughs> um, you know, it, it pains me to do so, Paul. But... We'll get it done. Uh, and for me, that starts at the top. I paid all the way up. It's it's a big number, but I paid up for Austin Matthews. Um, just two games, you know, you have to pick and choose your spots. He's going to be owned in a lot of teams. So if you're going contrarian, sure, leave him out. Um, but if he goes off like expected, you're going to be left behind. Uh, and so I, I think, you know, have to at least consider it. Yeah, he had that little bit of like a mid three-game slump there. Um, but he's back on the score sheet in the last three games, uh, four shots uh, in their most recent clash with Nashville. So I don't mind paying up for him there. I pair that up with uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois for 5000 Paul, I'll let you talk about him since I basically stole him from you when we were talking about uh, talking about our lineups before the show. I admittedly, you said, oh, I kind of like Dubois tonight. I said, okay. <laughs> so I'll <laughs> use him in my lineup and I'll let you expound on why you wanted to, to use him there. In terms of the, the wingers here, I paired up Matthews with Marner uh, just to get a bigger share of, of that uh, that grouping there. He's also got points in three straight games. Little uh, dicey shot total, just one shot on goal in each of the last games. But both of his assists in those last three games came on the power play, so we'll, we'll roll with it there. I like Brock Besser tonight for Vancouver. Um, good assignment, good power play numbers for him. So a good spot there, 6000 the price tag for him. I did go over to L.A. with Quentin Byfield. Comes in at just 3100 for L.A. Uh, you look at the power play numbers, he's on, he's on the second unit, but still got over three minutes of power play ice time in their last game. So to get that kind of value uh, going into at what will be a tough matchup, no doubt, but uh, I think he's getting uh, some opportunities there. For defense, I went with Quinn Hughes for Vancouver, 5,300. That kind of speaks for itself. He's one of the top uh, top targets on, on most nights. Um, has, uh, you know, two, uh, three goals on the season coming in his last four games. The shot totals, he's hit three or more shots on goal in six straight contests. So you love to see that. I went back with another discounted. Look, when you pay up for Matthews and Marner, you got to find cheap options. Jordan Spence for L.A. 
is also on that second power play unit. He comes in at just 2,500. This is purely like a speculative play. Um, his points are, are not huge. Uh, he, I'm going to be checking the Roto-Liar line combinations to make sure we still have him on that second power play. But two assists in his last three games, um, no shots over that stretch. So you're really kind of – this is a uh, definitely a GPP play. I wouldn't necessarily look at Spence for, for cash games. Uh, for my utility spot, similar kind of play. I went with uh, Evangelista from uh, Nashville. Comes in uh, at just 3,900 here. Another guy seeing some power play minutes for them. You look at the last game, he was actually up there on the top five with Ryan O'Reilly, or the top power play with Ryan O'Reilly, Tyson Berry, Forsberg, and Yossi. If he can hold on to that spot, I think there's a chance he could produce Again, five points in his last four games, so uh, at at, at thirty nine hundred, a real steal. And then I, uh, you know, thought about using Wool, but uh, the price there was just a little bit too high for me. I know I have Vancouver players in my lineup. You're going to be hard pressed to maybe not do that tonight, um, unless you know you go all in on like Toronto, uh, like somebody. How much might. was it? What was his price tag, AJ, on on uh, DraftKings? You know, uh, you were looking at wool was uh, eighty one hundred um, compared to, you know, you could get Demko for seventy nine sorrows for seventy five or you could go Cam Talbot for seventy three. Right. Uh, so I went UC Saros again. I paid up for Matthews. That's kind of the price you have to pay. So yeah. when would UC Saros are obviously we need to confirm he's going to start, um, but I would imagine he will tonight. All right, and I countered. I had uh, Hughes in my lineup for Vancouver's def- one of the defensemen, sixty-five hundred price tag there. Marner on the wing at sixty-nine hundred dollars, a value, good value for a first-line winger in that setup. And then Pierre Luc Dubois, I picked him AJ because he's always playing well against the Leafs and goes head-to-head with Matthews more often than not. They were picked one and three in the same draft year. I think that's a big part of Dubois' motivation. So and and besides that, they have Anze Kopitar as a top six forward and uh, center, and uh, even Philip Deneau. So they have three centers with a very good acumen in terms of being hard to play against, and that's why I think it's going to be a tough night for the Leaf centers, and unless they can shake loose on the power play. So I stayed away from them. In terms of rounding out my offense, I picked Ryan O'Reilly for Nashville. I saw him play against Leafs on the weekend. He looks like he's as dangerous as, as ever and a real threat on the power play. He picked up two goals against Toronto on the weekend, and I put him in for $6,100. So I saved at the center position. I spent some of that money uh, elsewhere, but on the wing, I found another good value in terms of Andre Kuzmenko, who is uh, playing alongside Elias Pettersson on that first line and first uh, string power play. So I'll, I, picked, I picked him as my second winger. Alongside Hughes on the blue line, I picked Roman Yossi for Nashville for $6,900. People that know me know that I don't like to spend a lot on the blue line, but I do so on a small slate like this. So I'll run with Hughes and Yossi as the top two uh, blue liners that should produce this evening. Went back to the Leafs to finish up my roster. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Tyler Bertuzzi Bertuzzi for $5,400. He played top six minutes, gets second power play minutes as well. And like I said, the special teams could be a key this evening. And he's been picking up his game of late, so I'll I'll ride that. And then John Klingberg, I mentioned he is the power play linchpin, uh, despite the fact that Morgan Riley, I think I would played him at five on five. And 
Klingberg comes in at only $4,400 tonight. So I really get a good value on that, the blue line pick. And then finally, I went with Joseph Wall. I like the win probability for Toronto there. The Kings are coming in, having gone 3-0 and on the road. I think they're due for a loss, and they're going to get it tonight in, in the Scotiabank Arena. Uh, that takes us through the show, AJ. In terms of final thoughts, I thought we'd spend a minute or two talking about the Outdoor Classic. Of course, you mentioned McDavid made it back into the lineup, and that was a big key. Edmonton wound up winning the game against their longtime rivals from Calgary. I watched a bit of it. I love the uniforms, love the setting. It's a great show, and uh, I just hope they don't oversaturate the market with these outdoor games. I like the fact that they're treated as specialty events with a Canadian outdoor classic and then one around uh, the turn of the year that's featuring uh, U.S.-based clubs. What about you? Yeah, I definitely like them. Um, they're, they're super intriguing. I, I'd, love to, I'd, I'd love to go to one. Um, by all accounts, uh, sight lines are not great <laughs> mm-hmm. in, in going to these games, but I'd still be interested in, in checking one out just for the atmosphere and everything else that goes with it. But yeah, I mean, from a strictly hockey viewing standpoint, they're probably more attractive games uh, on the, 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 the telly, if you will. All right. That said, we have come to the conclusion of this show. We want to thank you as always for listening to Roadwire's podcast with Statsman and AJ. And we remind you that we're here to help you with all things relating to your enjoyment of fantasy hockey. So we encourage you to send your comments or questions on Twitter, where you can follow me at Paul Bruno at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. We'll be back in a week and uh, with more information such as you've heard today. Again, if you want us to change, pivot to other topics, please don't hesitate to send the messages to us on the Twitter accounts. Uh, In the meantime, we wish you a good week and say so long, everybody.